Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. 800 years before Jesus was born, a prophet by the name of Isaiah spoke these words and they were recorded for us to read two and a half thousand years later. 2,800 years later. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. To who? To you. To me. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isn't it an incredible, and if we read in other parts of the same prophet, Isaiah, we read detailed description not only of Christ's birth, but also in the manner in which he would die. And God is giving a message to the world saying that a person, a child, was going to be born and he would grow and he would bring peace to the whole world. That he would be someone that everyone would have access to without paying your $100 fee for your hour of counselling. Because his name is Wonderful Counselor. And not only that, but when you receive him, you receive the Father. That you can, many in the world today don't have a father figure in their life. And when they receive Jesus into their life, suddenly the everlasting Father is on their doorstep day and night where they can turn to Papa, Daddy, God and have a personal deep relationship with Him. His name would be called Mighty God and He would be called the Prince of Peace. Now this sometimes seems a far cry if you go out into the modern day, do you know what the modern day cathedrals in our society are? They're the place where everybody goes to worship. They're called malls. <laughs> you can go into the modern day cathedrals today and you can see a lot of stressed out people. You can see a lot of people burning up that credit card. It's on fire as they come into this season. And the furthest thing from your mind that you would give to describe what you see would be peace. People are stressed out. People just can't wait until they stop work, until this whole thing called Christmas is finally over. Instead of it being such a wonderful time of the year, as the song goes, it becomes exactly the opposite. Now I want to ask you a question today. How would you describe Christmas? What does Christmas really mean to you? The great apostle Paul was writing to a group of Christians and they were raising money for some very poor people hundreds and hundreds of miles away from them. And he was talking to them about this gift that they were, that they were raising. He was on the subject of money. And then he said these words which are written for us in 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his in describable gift. This man who is, 
who knew off by heart the first five books of the Bible. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. A Pharisee of the Pharisees had to remember by word every single letter of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. This man with great intellect, this man who was looked up to as a scholar, he said, when I come to try and find words to describe Christmas to me, he says, it's indescribable. I can't put words to Jesus and what he means to me. He said, it's an indescribable gift. Maybe you've had some gifts over the years that hold a lot of meaning to you. You know why gifts hold meaning to us? Because it's normally the thought that the giver puts into the gift. I've had some very cheap presents because I have three sons. <laughs> and I'm not talking about socks and undies, all right? <laughs> Replenish dad's drawers every year. <laughs> but sometimes my boys have written cards to me. And the monetary value of, the small monetary value of which they have dedicated their gift to me means nothing to me. What means everything to me is the power of their words that they've written to me as they describe how much they love me and their relationship with me. Anyone know what this is? Yes. This is a letter opener. Now this was given to me 25 years ago when I left my first pastorate. And it was given to me by someone who's remained one of my closest friends, even though I only see him once every two years, because he lives in another country now. But this is a Rimu handle. It's carved out of mutton bone. And when I left, he, he took a fair bit of his time to actually carve this for me. And just before we left town, he gave this to me as a gift. And this has sat on my desk for the past 25 years. And every time the Billites come in the mail, you know, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Billites. Every time the Billites come in the mail, <laughs> I'm getting really nervous now. Every time it comes in the mail, this is, this, this is what I do. And it's opened for me to get ready to pay. <laughs> now this ring that I'm wearing on my hand, it's round because it's a ring, which speaks of the never-ending undying love that a woman has for her man. See, Christmas is coming too, my way as well. <laughs> you see, this ring's a little shinier than the one that Viv has on her finger. Show everybody that you didn't buy it from Woolworths. Two dollar shop. Yeah, so one of those rings over there. Now that was the first ring that she gave to me. And as you grow, and as you expand, sometimes your delicate fingers no longer fit the rings that you were first given when you were married. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
<laughs> so 15 years, 15 years into our marriage, I was complaining because I was quite large. And I said, I can't get this ring off my finger. It's stuck permanently on there. And so I had to, you know, when you go to a McDonald's, they say, do you want regular or do you want to be upsized? So I had to have an upsized ring <laughs> that I could easily get. I think I can still get this one off. I might have to go up another size yet. And, uh, and so Viv gave this to me as a, as a present 15 years ago. 15 years. We've been married now 30 years. And every time I, I look at this ring, yes, I'm reminded that I was, I've been fat many times. Yes, I know that. <laughs> but I'm reminded about the person who gave me this and what it means to her and what it means to me. But you see, in everything that I've said today, I can describe in detail my friend who was my best man at the wedding who gave me this letter opener and I can describe all about this gift. How he made it, what he made it of. And I can describe this ring because of the value that it holds to me. But the great apostle Paul said, I can't describe this gift that God has given to the world. It's indescribable. It's beyond the human vocabulary you can't put words to this gift. And I'm going to briefly this, this morning let you know why this amazing gift to the world called Jesus Christ, God's Son, is indescribable and beyond words. The first reason for me that it's indescribable is that he's brought a solution to a problem we all have. And that problem is that all of our lives have been stained with something. You ever tried to get red wine out of carpet? A white carpet? It's very, very difficult. Almost impossible. All of our lives, the fabric of our souls have been stained with sin. What is sin? Sin is simply this. Sin is I've chosen to go my way instead of doing it God's way. I've chosen to live my life without his influence in my life. And as a result, I make some bad choices. And that stains the fabric of our soul. It causes guilt. It causes shame. And all around the world, people all around the world in all different religions, some religions, every year they have hundreds of people that literally crawl on glass, cutting their hands and their knees because they want the forgiveness of sins. And they think if they do penance and they think if they, if they treat their bodies harshly, then God will be pleased with them and maybe then he might forgive their sins. But I've got good news for you and I today. And that is that the tent, the veil that separated the holy of holies and the most holy place, that veil was torn when Jesus Christ gave his life up for you. And now any human being can approach the throne of God and receive cleansing from their sin, can see the stain of that sin being eradicated from the fabric of their soul. I can describe that to you, but we're still working with words beyond description today. Second reason... That Jesus is indescribable is that he gives citizenship. 
Many of you in this room today, you've known what it means to go through the process of shifting from one nation to another nation. To initially get a visa that will allow you to stay here in Aotearoa. It's not an easy process. Our government's very strict. They have ways and means of going through things. And yet this gift that's been given to the world, when you receive this gift, the Bible tells me that you are taken out of your earthly citizenship as being a citizen of the earth, and immediately God makes you a citizen of heaven and of the kingdom of God. In one blink of an eye, you are translated from earthly citizenship into heavenly citizenship. And your eternal destination is, has been assured because of this indescribable gift. No forms to fill out. No extended visas needed to purchase. No money paid across the counter for a transaction. Freely, freely you have received. Jesus, in the twinkle of an eye, can change your earthly citizenship to a heavenly citizenship. He says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. Do you know what it is? When I became a Christian, and I took my first overseas trip to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ as a young man, one of the things that struck me was that wherever I went, I had immediate connection to other citizens of heaven. I had a family all over the world that I could instantly, they would take me under their roof, they would befriend me. It was like we knew each other for our whole lives and yet we only knew each other for five minutes because we're, we, we're brothers and sisters with the same father, the same dad because of this indescribable gift today. The third reason is because when you receive Jesus, you receive a helper. You no longer have to struggle on your own anymore. You heard Eddie's testimony. I can just imagine the panic on poor Eddie's wife's face. What, 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 you what, 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 want me to feed, feed, feed the whole street? <laughs> but you see, Eddie knew something that many people don't. He knew that he had a helper that was with him 24-7. When you receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says God's Spirit comes into your body and you are never alone from that day forward. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to you and God will help you. This is what he says in uh, John chapter 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. Thank goodness for that, for those of us who have a rough memory. <laughs> God says, I'll bring it to your remembrance. We have no excuses. I'm sorry, honey, I forgot. No, 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 you've got the Holy Spirit. He should have reminded you. <laughs> How about the peace that transcends human understanding? The next verse says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It was, a, it was turmoil and internal stress that led me to find Jesus. 35 years ago, going through a broken relationship, my heart broken, smashed into little pieces, an emotional wreck, 
contemplating suicide. And I, I found something that I couldn't believe it the moment I received Jesus and called upon his name. I didn't have any earthly helper to get me to this point. I was on my own in my little flat and I fell down on my knees and I said, if this, if this Jesus that my friend's been telling me about, if you're real, then you need to come and help me now because if you don't help me, I don't know where I'm going to end up. And immediately the presence of God filled the room and immediately all of the inner stress and turmoil just dissipated out of my body. And I felt this overwhelming peace, like golden syrup flowing into my spirit as the Prince of Peace took up residence and he took care of all those nasty emotional, toxic emotions that we feel and experience because when Jesus comes in, those things have to leave. That's wonderful, but it's still indescribable to me. And lastly, this morning, when you receive Jesus, Jesus said these words, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. When you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you have an eternal destination. A house. A mansion. That has been set aside for you to dwell in for all of eternity. You're eternal. We're worried about life insurance. We're worried about health insurance. We want, we want assurance and insurance in every part of our life. And God says, you don't need to worry about it. When you receive my son, when you receive Jesus into your life, your eternity has been taken care of right there and then. And he has prepared a place for you in advance. You don't need to worry about, you don't need to worry about how long or how short you're going to live. Because the moment breath leaves your body, the moment your heart stops, you are whisked into eternity, into an everlasting relationship with your God, where God has prepared an eternal dwelling for you. That is indescribable, friends. So, when God looked at this confused world almost 2,000 years ago, when he saw those Roman soldiers marching through the streets of Jerusalem, and he saw people looking for peace and looking for meaning in life, God wanted to urgently communicate his love for us. Did you know that you've got to understand, friends, this morning, one main thing this morning. His love for you is enormous. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Yes, it may have consequences on the relationships that you and I have with others. But as far as God's concerned, his love for you has not diminished one iota. It is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what did God do? How would he communicate his love? Well, what about if he appeared in person? Yeah, good luck with that. Jesus turning up on your doorstep. And in all of his glory, I can tell you right now, it would be a frightening experience having the Lord of glory rock up to your door and turn up. Most of us would be scared and frightened away by a personal visitation from Jesus himself. We would feel like Moses in that holy ground moment. Moses, Moses, this is holy ground. Take off your shoes. 
What about God? He said, well, if I speak. But then they would hear the thunder of His voice. And they may never understand the beauty and grasp the depths of His love if God were to speak. Maybe legions of angels would rock up on your doorstep. I'm not quite sure how you would feel about that either. But he says, you know what? He says this. He says, I know how I'm going to reveal myself to the world. I'm going to come in such a way that nobody's going to be frightened, that nobody's going to be scared. I'm going to come as a baby. I'm going to come as a baby. And I'm going to grow up and I'm going to show and demonstrate to the world what God in human flesh is like. And when they see me, they see irresistibility. They cannot resist me when they see me and when they see the way that I walk and talk and the way that I love people. And they'll be drawn to me. No man can come to the Father except he's been drawn. And we are drawn to this indescribable gift today. So as a short message today as we finish our service and just take some time to talk and chat with each other. As we take a moment to contemplate maybe our year and how it's gone. I want to ask you the question today. How do you describe Christmas? What does Jesus really mean? to you today. Maybe there was a season in your life where he was indescribable, but you've kind of gone away. And you aren't even giving Jesus a second or third thought at the moment within your life. He's a distant, he's, he's just a word only. Well, God wants to draw near to you this morning. And if you're here today, he's knocking on your door. That's why you're here. He's knocking on the door of your heart because he wants to become all those things and more that I've shared about with you today. Or perhaps you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's time. It's time for you to open your life up and give God an opportunity. And give him access. Do you know God will never force himself on a human being? Many have said in that way that God's a gentleman. A gentleman doesn't come and ride roughshod over your house and burst through your front door without being uh, asked to come in. And today he's knocking. He's knocking on the door of your life, on the door of your heart. You're the only person that can let him in. The great 18th century painter painted a picture of Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, let him open the door and I will come in with him and sup with him. Do you know in the painting, there's no door handle on the outside of the door of that heart. Because it has to be open from the inside. For you to receive Christ, you have to open the door yourself. Jesus will not open it for you. Could we bow our heads in prayer, please?